Good? Okay. Once again, with a hearty good morning. All right. We're going to be, hopefully, on my text, taking a close look at Colossians 3.12 through 17. I've been told, at least by two or three people, to contain myself in the sense of going slower. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, as anyone can, it's hard to contain yourself. Can I get an amen? So I'm going to try to mix those two together by slowing down as I go through Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. But let's begin our reading by reading verse 12 only. So, as those who have been chosen holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Next. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Now 12 and on. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Last verse. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Next. Starting over again, and I just want to remind you, I'm going to be on verse 12 for a long time. And since you told me to slow down, I'm going to slow down. Chosen of God, and when chosen of God. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Quote, it refers to God's choice of certain among mankind who were as saved individuals to be channels through which others might learn the way of salvation. This choice, if you notice I have it in bold type, this choice having been made before the universe was created. I'm not going to get into chosen of God in the sense of who we chose. That's another dimension. But I'm just going to read this again. 
It refers to God's choice of certain from among mankind who were as saved individuals to be channels through which others might learn the way of salvation. Now this last part. This choice being made before. Can you say the word before? Come on, speak up. Before. The universe was created. When? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Ephesians 1.4. I've got a note down here that is not in the notes. Don't change it. Eternal election precedes sanctification in time. I'm going to say that again. Eternal election. In other words, God chose, if I may use that word, that occurs, precedes before sanctification. I'll explain that later, but I want to just give you a note on that now. You and I, I want to say it slowly, cannot be set apart unless God chooses to set you apart. Can I get a witness? Maybe I need to say that again. Eternal election before the world began precedes sanctification. What do you mean by sanctification? He chooses you out from among the world to be holy and beloved by him. More on that later. Chosen of God. As the principal design of the apostle was to show that God had chosen the Gentiles and called them to the same privileges as the Jews and intended to make them as truly his people as the Jews ever were, he calls the elect or chosen of God. And as the Jews who were formerly the elect were still beloved and called to be holy, so he calls the Colossians beloved and shows them that they are called with the same holy calling. Let me make a let me make a intervention in here. If you are chosen of God, if you are saved, in other words, God has set you apart to be holy and righteous before him and the world. Can I get a witness? Thank you. I need a witness. Next. The fact that you belong to the one and same church, that you have been redeemed by the same blood and chosen by the same grace, and that you are all brethren, should lead you to manifest a spirit of kindness, gentleness, and love. Next. Still on verse 12. So... As those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm going to stop here, and you see it on your notes, holy and beloved. Can you say holy and beloved? I want you to speak up today. The word holy is from the Greek word hagias, meaning to set apart for God. God has 
people set apart for himself and not for the world. Can I get a witness? You're set apart. You are not to be like the world. You may live in the world, but you are to be separate. You are holy and beloved. The elect are those set apart for God. This word speaks of their standing in grace. Did you get that? I know I have an asterisk there, and I know I'm speeding up too. As separated ones, to live a separate life. Hagias is translated saints. Did you realize that? You are a saint in God's eyes. There's no special class. You indeed are holy. And you are considered by God to be a saint. And here is Colossians 121. To the saints and faithful brethren. I got to ask you a question before I go on. Are you and I faithful? Do you consider yourself faithful to God? Are you living like a Christian? And I'll get to this later, I know. But are you living like the world? God wants you to be. As the, as the description says, to the saints. That's you and me. I'm not bragging. That's you and me. God said, we're saints. And we're supposed to be faithful brothers in Christ who are at Colossus. Of course, we're not at Colossus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Are you very, very grateful that you and I are standing in grace? Next, standing in grace, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. I like the next part. But God. Can you say, but God? But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive together with Christ. And I want you to notice the next part. Standing in grace. By grace you have been saved. Did you get it? I'm trying to slow down, but I can't. By grace you have been saved and raised us with him together with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly places, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. I'm going to repeat, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of work, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship. Workmanship is the good word poet. Oh, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's pretty close. It can't, it, our, our English word would be poetry. God designed you as a saint to be a poet. In the, not in the sense of speaking, but poetry. Someone designed by God to be poetry to this world. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why do you keep emphasizing that, brothers? Because by grace you were saved, and then you perform good works. Can I get a witness? Some people got it backwards. Well, I got to be a good guy. I got to stop lying. I got to stop doing this and that. That's not the way to come to God. By grace you've been saved. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to transform you one step at a time. And he's working on us individually according to his design, not yours. For we are his poeo, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared. God's got a plan. Before him so that we would walk in them. Next. I have on my sheet number eight. You don't have that, but I have it here. Psalm 107.2. And if you have been redeemed, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who has redeemed from the hand of the adversary? Who's your adversary? The God of this world. He's got a plan for you too. If you are a Christian... He's got a plan for you to knock you off your pedestal and now allow you to live in what he wants for you. But God's got the best plan for you. Can I get a witness? Thank you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How many times have you had an opportunity to say, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you ever told anybody, have you ever said, let the redeemed, not in those words perhaps, I've been saved by God's grace. Let me give you my short testimony or whatever. I'm going to repeat that. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How can you and I be quiet? How can you do it? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You might have to ask the Lord, Lord, provide me with opportunities can I, that I can lift up the name above all names. Next. You won't believe this. I have it here. But I'm still on verse 12, the opening verse. Focus on the word beloved. You're going to like this, I hope. This word beloved amplifies your and my standing in grace. Professor Kenneth Woost, or Weist, some say, informs us that the Greek word for beloved is agapao. I say it differently, but I got this out of the dictionary. Ak, excuse me, agapao. And that this is the Greek word Beloved, excuse me, this is the Greek word for God's love. The love shown at Calvary. A love that denies self for the benefit of the object loved. That's you and me. You're the object of God's love. He goes on to say that beloved is in the perfect tense. A tense that is used to show the far-reaching and abiding character of that love. That is... The saints are those who have been loved by God with a present result. 
Did you get it? Past, now present result, they are the object of his love. God is not an off and on God. He loves you before the world began. I can't explain it. And he still loves you right now. Can I get a witness? Oh, oh Brother Carter, I am. Um, I had a fight with my brother. Does God still love me? Yes, he does. I had a fight with uh, my sister. I used a curse word. Did God still love me? You are his saint, and he keeps on building you up. He's not an on and off God. Can I get a witness? Next page. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts. I'm hoping this is true of you, but I want you to listen to the next part. Therefore, now catch the next part. Having been justified by faith. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's me or something else. I suspect it's me. <laughs> something always goes wrong. Either I'm talking too loud. No matter what it is, there's something going to stand in the way. But that's okay. I'm going to keep on running my mouth. Maybe if I hold my hands behind me. <laughs> Therefore, having been justified by faith. What do you mean by that, Brother Carter? That word justified means to be declared righteous. We are not declared righteous because of our good behavior or so-called good deeds. Justified by faith. What about faith? What is faith? Have you placed your faith? In the finished work of Jesus Christ and him alone. That's faith. Well, who is he? I don't want to say too much about this because this is not your nose. Jesus said, I am the way. Not a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I know you're going to get upset with me, but I'm going to say it anyhow. In the beginning was the Word, the Lagos, and the Word was facing God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. That's who Jesus is. He was facing God before the world was created. And he had a one-on-one -on -one relationship. But he chose to come down and occupy human flesh. And if I may add this before we go on, he chose to take your sins and my sins and nail it to his cross. And he said, you're going to get mad at me again, it is finished.
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith in this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. And perseverance proving character, and proving character hope. And hope does not disappoint. I have the next part in italics. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is not only in you, but he's active in you. And the love of God has been poured out within my heart and your heart. That's why you and I can love the unlovable. Can I get a witness? I'm going to get more about that later, so I won't go too far with that. Let me say that last part. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts, not just your head, but in your heart, your very being, through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You didn't earn the Holy Spirit. He was given to you. Next. From the preacher's Bible outline and sermon on the word beloved, believers have been elected as to be beloved of God. God has called believers to turn away from the old life that showed hatred toward God. God has called believers to be beloved of God, the persons who receive his love in Christ Jesus and who allow him to shower his love upon them. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you and I allowed the love of God? That's all I'm going to say to Turning away from the old life, Acts 26, 20. But kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Next. Here's your calling, believers. This is Paul talking. Therefore, I urge you, brother, or brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spirit, spiritual, or King James says, reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And if I may add this, the Greek has it, keep being transformed. It's a present tense thing. Be transformed by, by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. How about it, Brother Bruce? How about it, brothers and sisters in Christ? 
have we presented not just our spirit and soul, but your body as a living and holy sacrifice? Only you can answer that question. Next. The point is this. The elect of God, holy and beloved, are those who have been really believed and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It is these people, the believers, who now have new life in Christ. Say new life in Christ. Here it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, or some say, rec- re- um, never mind. Namely, that God was in Christ. Did you realize that? That's what it says. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What do you mean by that, Brother Abuse, the word of reconciliation? Have you ever talked to anybody about Jesus? Have you ever said anything about being redeemed? God will give you the opportunities. He'll do that. Because why? He wants people to get saved. I'm going to read that first part again. I don't care what you do. I'm going to do it anyhow. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Jesus said it this way. Nicodemus, chapter 3. You must be born again. We've been born once. We were dead in trespasses and sins, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and other verses. To be born again is to be born from within. It's not a head thing. It's an internal thing. Can I get an amen? It's internal. And it extends itself to the outside. Next. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on. Say the word put on. Because here I go. A heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is the picture of putting on clothing. That's what this word put on means. The believer is to clothe the new man. The new man must not be left naked. And just, what are the garments to be put on? There are eight. I don't think I'm going to get through this sermon, but I'm going to attempt to. There are eight garments of clothing for the new man. Here's number one. Next, here are five, the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I hope you listen closely. Next, back to put on. Put on, it means to envelope, to clothe with, to become so possessed of the mind of the Christ as in thought, feeling, and action as to resemble him and, as it were, reproduce the life he lived. Please note, the word put on has the idea of putting on right now. Not later, not the next day. Well, I got, I got to get rid of this habit. I got to do this. I got, 
put on right now. I'm going to say it again. The action tense of put on cause with it the idea of put on right now. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that's this is next. It should be dear brothers and sisters in Christ. If you and I haven't put on, then we have we haven't put off. What haven't you put off? The deeds of the flesh which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and these things like this, I said it wrong, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I need to slow down right now. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you haven't put on, there is no doubt that you and I, I'm concluding myself, are expressing the old man to the Lord, of which you have been liberated from. Can I get a witness? How about outburst of anger? Don't raise your hand. How about disputes? How about dissensions? How about envying, drunkenness, carousing? I'm hoping some of you get convicted like it convicted me. Can I get a witness? A description of the closing, the first five. A heart of compassion to be moved internally by the circumstance of others and to seek to share their sufferings. I'm so proud of this church and other churches who reach out to people to give a helping hand. That's right. This is not the only church of hardened compassion. There's other churches who do the same thing. Can I get an amen? amen. Just witness that line that lines up. That's a heart of compassion, including me. Kindness, gentle, gracious disposition, humility, the having a humble opinion of yourself, a deep sense of one's moral littleness, gentleness, an inwrought grace of the soul, that temper of spirit in which we accept God's dealing with us as good. Well, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Why did I, I'm one of your children. I'm one of your saints. Why did you... Why did you let that happen to me? I might not, not know why, but I know it's for his design and his purpose. Can I get an amen? I know a pastor whose wife just passed away. And the only thing I can say to the Lord is, why, Lord? But in another sense, I said, that's none of my business. God has a design for each one of us. Patience. I don't know. I need to write my name under that. The man who, having done, having to do with insulting people, 
does not suffer himself easily to be provoked by them. How about you? Every time somebody says something to you, you got a you got a rebuttal. You got something sharp to say back to them. I'll say it again: the man who, having to do with insulting people, does not suffer himself easily to be provoked. What about it? If someone uses profanity toward you, do you have to say something profane back to them? Or as a Christian, do you have a different attitude? Let me put it this way. It, we should. Let's go on. Next, a heart of compassion on the left-hand side. This is Jesus. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. I'm going to use a, um, let me just say it, and following him. Christian, Christian, are you following Jesus? You're one of his children. Are you following him? So as those who have been chosen of God, holy, put on a heart of compassion. Next, kindness, so that in the ages to come, he may show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I think it's better just to turn this thing up and me to use my, my voice. Okay. We're going to try this. I'm going to read that verse over again. It's Ephesians 2.10. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Don't you know, ladies and gentlemen, it'll take eternity to show you how much the Lord loved you. You cannot contain it upon this earth. It will take eternity. Listen again. So that in the ages, notice, plural, to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Paul commended himself as a minister of God by his kindness, and so should we. Do you have a certain amount of kindness toward others? Not just Christians, toward others. 2 Corinthians 6, 6, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. Next. Humility. With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. 1 Peter 5, 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and of all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Next. Gentleness. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness or gentleness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. James 1.21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, and all that remains of wickedness in humility or gentleness, receive the word implanted, which is able to save 
your soul. What's the definition? An inward grace of the soul, and so on, as I said before. Patience. By faith and patience, Christians inherit the promises so that you will not be sluggish. I hope you don't think I'm picking on anyone. Are you slow to read God's word? You read it off and on. Can I get a witness? Or is it an everyday occurrence? You make room for the word of God. He wants you to grow in his grace, but you cannot grow without getting into his word. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The people who spoke in the name of the Lord are an example of suffering and patience. An example, brethren, of suffering and patience. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Next. Colossians 3.13. Well, what do you know? We're on another verse. Like somebody said, woohoo! <laughs> Where I go again? Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. The believer must put on the garment of forbearing or forbearance. Forbearing means to hold back, to put up with, to refrain. Now, why did I say that? Refrain, to bear with, to control. Something is is often forgotten. There are many things about every one of us. Now, I hope you really pay attention. There are many things about every one of us that just turn people off. No, none of us escapes the fact. In addition, every one of us does things that irritate some people. Can I get a witness to that? Again, there is no escaping the fact. Any person can be looked at and has his or her flaws picked out. But note, this is not what the scriptures say to do. The scripture says the believer is to put on the clothing of forbearance. The believer is to forbear the flaws of others. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I know you see many flaws in me. There's no doubt about it. I like when you say that. We're forbearing. And there's many flaws in every one of us. But the Bible says forbearing one another. Can I get an amen? He is to put up with, with and bear the weaknesses of others. Next. Even as Christ forgave you, who required no satisfaction and sought for nothing in you but the broken, contrite heart, and freely gave you as soon as you returned to him. No man should for a moment harbor ill will in his heart to any, but the offended party is not called actually to forgive till the offender with sorrow acknowledges his fault. 
you and I need to acknowledge when we're wrong. Don't be so proud of yourself that you're not able to say, I'm sorry. Can I get an amen? I find myself saying that all the time. And you know what? When I do that, I sense the peace of God. That goes along with confession. No one in here is absolutely flawless. He should be ready to forgive. And while he is so, he can neither feel hatred nor malice towards the offender. But as Christ does not forgive us till we penitent sinners will return unto him, acknowledging our offenses, so those who have been trespassed against their neighbor are not to expect any act of forgiveness from the person they have injured till they acknowledge the, their offense. Forgive, says the apostle, even as Christ forgave you. Show the same disposition and the same readiness to forgive your offending brother as Christ showed towards you. Christ forgave you and me. Why can't we forgive others? Who are we? Are we so proud and so perfect that we hold ourselves above other people? God forbid. Next, full forgiveness. We are to forgive others because God forgave us. And in that degree that he forgave, that is a full forgiveness. Next, verse 14. Beyond all these things, put on love. Say love. Which is the perfect bond of unity. Above all, the believers to put on the garment of love, agapen. Note that love is to be the main garment of the believer's new life. It is called the bond of perfection or unity. That is, love binds all the clothing of great qualities of the believer's life together. If the believer has to put on love, if he really loves people, then he is always clothed with a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, and forgiveness. The other day as I was, I don't know where I was going. I don't think I was coming to church. It was on a weekday. I saw this person on the corner, and no, I didn't give them a tract, and I didn't get out of the car and speak to them about Jesus Christ, but I felt this kind of overwhelming joy, and I rolled down the window. I said, hello, that's the love of Jesus. Can I get a witness? I'm not saying that trying to brag. I'm saying that that same love is in every one of you. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. 
I'm going to say this again. You'll probably get tired of me saying it. He didn't wait for you to clean up your life. He didn't wait for you to stop doing drugs. He didn't wait for you to stop arguing with this person or that person. He didn't wait for you to stop all the bitterness in your life. While we were yet sinners, notice that we, that's you and me, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. I was listening to Dr. Charles Stanley. Some of you know who he is. He's a very profound teacher on TV. And he just kind of confirmed what I'm about to say and what you probably already heard me say before. If you were the only person on earth and you had fallen into sin, I'm, this is just a hypothesis, he would have died for you. The only thing I can say is, oh, what a savior. He bought me and he sought me with his own precious blood. Next, let the peace of God rule in your heart to which you were called. I'm going to get off the subject for a minute. Christ has been calling some of you over and over and over again to get saved if, if you're not saved. And you keep on putting it off. Or if you are a Christian, he has been calling you over and over and over again to drop this, put on this, or whatever it may be. You know what it is. I don't, and I don't want to know. He's been calling you, and you hear his still small voice. And I hope you don't think I'm trying to be rough. But you better answer that call. Can I get a witness? If you're not saved, you don't know when you're going to pass this earth. And there's no second chance. And if you are saved, he wants to say to you, well done, that good and faithful servant. That's what he wants to say to you. Now I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to think. What is he going to say to you when you meet him as an unsaved person? Is he going to say, depart from me? I never knew you. Or is he going to say, well done. Or I'm disappointed in you. What's he going to say? Only you can answer that question. No heart is right with God, with the peace of God, and the peace of Christ does not rule. And the continual prevalence of the peace of Christ, did you get that? The continual prevalence of the peace of Christ is the decisive proof that the heart is right with God. When a man loses his peace, 
it is an awful proof that he has lost something else, that he has given way to evil. Here I go again. Christian, have you given way to evil? Are you back to your old unredeemed self? That goes for me too. Let me read that part again. That he had given way to evil and grieved the Spirit of God. While peace rules, all safe. Next. A peace that comes from Christ. I'm quoting somebody. I don't know who. And that's why I put it in quotes. The peace that Christ gives himself. Peace, I, Jesus, live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And Brother Tom, this is for the group that meets on Monday and anybody else who wants to come. A peace that comes from Christ. The only thing I can think of is thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And as we said on Monday night, that's my invitation for you. You can come Monday night. You'll get a book. You'll get this and that to go along with us. That word, that will keep him in perfect peace. That word perfect. Say the word perfect. Actually in the Hebrew, no, I don't know Hebrew that well, but I can look it up. That word perfect peace is the word shalom, shalom. That's the best they could translate it. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Say it again, brother. Thank you. Isaiah 26.3. Next. It should read the word of Christ. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Well, what is the word of Christ? According to Roost, this is it. The word of Christ is the word spoken by Christ. This expression is not limited to Jesus saying while on earth, but refers to the entire body of truth as given through the New Testament writers. Let me make it easy for you. The word of Jesus, the word of Christ, is the written word of God of the New Testament. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't read the Old Testament. They're all God's word. I hope I can fix somebody or some people. How much are you and I in the word? Did you notice I put myself in there? Thank you, brother. Look at the next part in brackets. The word dwell means a home. Let me make it easy for you again. Is the word of God at home in your heart? Is he at home? Or does he have to search for a place after you do all that you want to do? Shame on you. Shame on me. I'm going to say this, and I don't know who I'm talking to. It's a fearful thing. You think everything is going to be hunky-dory, but it's not. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. It's a fearful thing to stand before Christ and know that you've lived for the world. No, I didn't say you weren't saved. Next. By Psalms, he means all godly songs. When you're in the world, you had all these songs. Some of you can reiterate all the songs in the world. Can I get a witness? But if you're a Christian, there should be a new song in your life. I can do that too. I remember some of the old songs. I can remember sing them for Beethoven. But can I, I'm going to talk about me so you don't think I'm talking about you. Can I sing some new songs for the Lord? By Psalms, he means all godly songs which were written upon various occasions and by hymns, all such as contain the praise of God. And by spiritual songs, other more special and artful songs. Say the word special. You got some special songs for Jesus? Something you really, really gravitate to? Something that stands out that it just, it's just so akin to what you've been through or whatever's happening in your life? Special songs. Many of you know I like this. I, I say it all the time. Jesus is the best thing. It's an old song. Jesus is the... I know I can't sing. But I can say the words. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Jesus, Yeshua, he's the best thing that ever happened to me. And he truly is. He settled my eternity forever. He settled it. I think this is my last verse. Verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. You know what's wrong with Brother Bruce? He doesn't give thanks enough. What about you? Do you give thanks? Giving thanks to him, to God the Father. I don't think, I think that says, Lord, I'm done. But I know you're not done with those people in this congregation. As, the, as been said in the song, God's still working.